In this episode of the Discover the Word podcast, we're going to be talking about something that's uh, kind of a lost art in our world today, the uh, lost art of gentleness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in some ways, I can't think of a more important thing for us to be talking about right. than gentleness, because when we look at the way people on social media interact with one another, mm-hmm. yeah. especially over disagreements, mm-hmm. it's far from gentle. I heard someone say the phrase the other day, they laid the smack down on somebody on Facebook. Yeah. Gentleness is almost outside of our imagination right. now but as a culture. Yeah, so Bill Crowder will be leading the conversations with Mark DeHaan and Elisa Morgan and Daniel Ryan Day. And as a guide, he's said he's going to go to kind of an obscure place. I like reading the old dead guys because their <laughs> stuff can inform us. Adam Clark, who was a Bible scholar, student, teacher, back in the early 1800s, defined this word gentle or gentleness this definition feels very spot on. What I want us to do is take it apart piece by piece and see if the scriptures endorse Adam Clark's definition of gentle or gentleness. Yeah, something our world could use a healthy dose of gentleness. Be part of this study on the Discover the Word podcast that begins next. And this is the Discover the Word podcast, the small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries. And it's good to have you at the table with Bill and Elisa and Martin Daniel for some conversations about this quality that often gets undervalued in our world today. And even though a presidential candidate back in the late 1980s called on us to be a kinder, gentler nation, uh, we haven't made much progress in that direction, have we? And I don't know, I think we may even have in a lot of ways moved in the opposite direction. We don't seem to have come to value gentleness anymore since then. But as I think we'll discover in these conversations, for followers of Jesus, gentleness is an evidence that God is at work in our lives. And so if we're not seeing it, well, that's not a good thing. But part of it may be that we don't have a good understanding of what gentleness is. And so let's join the group as they introduce this to us. And at the end of this first conversation, Bill will then give us that definition by Adam Clark that he wants to break down because he thinks it's so helpful. So, Bill. What comes to your mind when you hear the word gentle or gentleness? And is it positive or negative? It's positive. I usually see it when someone interacts with a child or something okay. like that. Mm, holding a baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also think sometimes of a gentle breeze or something mm-hmm. in nature that's gentle, flowers, trees leaning, that gentleness. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a negative association. A lot of people see it as weakness. Mm-hmm. But would we use that word gentle if we were looking at it in a negative Well, way? sometimes when we have that old phrase, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, it goes into this sappy kind of wimpy Jesus kind of thing. You're right. It's interesting. On April 4th, 1968, Robert Kennedy was running for president and he was speaking to a crowd in Indianapolis and it was a mostly African-American crowd. And he was charged with announcing to them the assassination of Martin Luther King. Mm. And in the midst of that speech, he said, Let us dedicate ourselves to what the Greeks wrote so many years ago, to tame the savageness of man and make gentle the life of this world. Hmm. 
I think that's a great statement. It really is. Because we see a lot of the savageness of humankind all around us. To make gentle the life of this world is a really great aspiration. Oh, yeah. We want to talk about that idea of gentleness, which is sometimes viewed as negative. But I think most of the time, Daniel, if we go to your context of someone with a child or at least as someone with an infant or something, it paints it in a much mm-hmm. better light and the kind of gentleness that I think the world could use a big, heavy yeah. dose of. But, you know, I'm even thinking of something where words have been exchanged and you think, oh, good night, this thing's going to erupt. And when one of the parties just turns around and they've got the ability to just sort of, with a quiet word, Mm -hmm. not with weakness, Mm -hmm. but with a a refusal to return an insult with Mm -hmm. another insult that just could have erupted into. Yeah, the the proverb says a soft answer turns away wrath. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in some ways I can't think of a more important thing for us to be talking about than gentleness. Because when we look at the way people on social media interact with one another, especially over disagreements. It's far from gentle. I heard someone say the phrase the other day, they laid the smack down on somebody on Facebook. Gentleness is almost outside of our imagination now Mm -hmm. as a culture. Exactly, it is. It's interesting. I think as you're talking, I'm going to this illustration that is again back with children, but I remember one of my kids' preschool teachers, when the kids would be really heating up in the room, you know, she would lower her voice. Mm-hmm. Instead of raising, which yeah. is our tendency, you know, yeah. when everybody's out of control, we tend to go, hey, but she lowered her voice. And so now the what we're going to do next. And it got everybody's attention yeah. because it was so surprising. A different kind of strength, mm-hmm. but it worked. Yeah. A different yeah. kind of strength. As we think about this different kind of strength, which is gentleness, one of the realities that we understand is that Galatians chapter 5 tells us that gentleness is an aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so that means that it's available to us as followers of Jesus because the Holy Spirit can produce this fruit in us. Daniel, would you read Galatians 5, 22 to 23 and, and listen for gentleness in there? Sure. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, Against such things there is no law. I love that last bit. Against such things there is no law. There's no law against being gentle. (laughs) (laughs) So to the person who did the smackdown on Facebook, Mm -hmm. you know, there's no law against being gentle. You know, and I think that that's a helpful reminder. Yeah, that's really good. You know, I do have a question, though. And this passage, as you indicated, is written to followers of Christ. But are we implying that those who have not yet accepted him can't be gentle? No, what I'm saying is they don't have the same level of spiritual resources we do for gentleness to be produced in us. The same reason, the same resources, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. There are two main Greek words whose forms give us the word gentle or gentleness. One is the word praos, which is in English P-R-A-O-S. The other is epios, E-P-I-O-S. And both of them get translated gentle or gentleness about 15 times in the New Testament. When you look at, for instance, Philippians 4, verse 5, let your gentle spirit be known to everyone the Lord is near. That's not necessarily what our generation wants to hear. Let your strength or your power or your authority or something like that be known to everyone. Let them know who you are. This is upside down. 
Let your gentleness mm-hmm. be known to everyone. Mm-hmm. What are you hearing in that other phrase, for the Lord is near? It goes back to what we've seen so many times. If we live in the presence of the Lord, mm-hmm. an awareness of living in his presence, I don't think it necessarily means the Lord's coming right away and he's going to catch you being mean. Okay. I think it's you live in his presence right now. Mm-hmm. So let gentleness be what characterizes your dealings with one another. And there's almost an invitation there for our default to be gentleness. Yeah, we haven't really totally defined it. We defined our uh, assumptions about it, so this is interesting. An English dictionary definition of gentleness is the quality of being kind, tender, or Mm mild-mannered, softness of action or effect, lightness. So that's why it can sometimes be marked perceived as negative because okay. it's mild-mannered, it's light, it's soft, it's not strong. When there's a need for courage, when there's a need to step up, it's not there. That's the way it's perceived. That's the way it's perceived. Yeah. yeah, but I think just the opposite is the way it's presented in the scriptures because it is a different kind of strength, as we said earlier. Sourced in God is what yeah. your point was. Yeah, because we get this from him. Yeah. And I think if we get this from him, one of the things that's helpful to us to understand is this is how he often deals with us. Mm-hmm. In Matthew's gospel where Jesus defines himself, he says, come to me all you are labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. So if Jesus deals with us with gentleness, why shouldn't we try to deal with one another with gentleness? Yeah, and you mentioned the Greek word that's used here in the fruit of the Spirit Mm -hmm. list. And that word can be translated not only gentleness, but also humility. Yeah. And Jesus represented both of those and how he acted. But I also wonder if those two are almost interchangeable then how does humility lead us to being gentle mm-hmm. and vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and I guess it would be because it's that quiet strength mm-hmm. sometimes that we yeah. see in people, a patient strength. There's almost a open-handedness mm-hmm. to how they view themselves and others that allows them to be gentle or helps right. them be gentle. And Paul gets there because just a few verses after this statement on the fruit of the Spirit In Galatians 5, Galatians 6, verse 1. Would you read that for us, Elisa? Yes. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Isn't that interesting? Those who are living by the Spirit restore Mm -hmm. one gently, Mm -hmm. or mine says, with a spirit of gentleness. Now, Bill, isn't there an element of strength under control? in gentleness that's different. I remember, I don't know, some word study I did a million years ago about this word being used in a letter during the Peloponnesian War. This just stuck in my mind because it's a word picture. And it was of this horse that couldn't be broken. Mm -hmm. And finally, he was broken and brought underneath his master's control. And he was described as a gentle Mm -hmm. horse, very Mm -hmm. strong, but like obedient. Mm. I think that's a big part of it that we're going to see as we go through it. Let me give you a definition. Okay. And I like reading the old dead guys because their (laughs) stuff has stood the test of time. We live in a very present tense culture, but people whose material and their writings, their insights have stood the test of time, I think Mm -hmm. can inform us. Adam Clark, who was a Bible scholar, student, teacher back in the early 1800s, defined this word praeos or praeates, 
that Greek word this way. Listen to the nuance and the complexity of this definition because that's what we're going to explore together through the rest of our conversations. He said it means mildness, indulgence toward the weak and erring, patient suffering of injuries without feelings of revenge, mm. and an even balance of all tempers and passions. Mm-hmm. Now, we've already leaned into some of those word pictures mm-hmm. already, haven't we? Mm-hmm. This definition feels very spot on. What I want us to do is take it apart piece by piece and see if the scriptures endorse Adam Clark's definition of gentleness. And I think we'll find out along the way, Elisa, that yes, the element of strength under control becomes a part of that. Okay, in the last conversation, we started off by asking you what comes to your mind and is it positive or negative when you hear the word gentleness. This time, I want you to have the same kind of thought experiment on the word mild. Mm-hmm. When you asked about gentleness last time, I started thinking about fabric softeners. <laughs> I did too. That was the first thing that came to mind. I agree. Isn't that funny? <laughs> See, so I thought of toilet paper, soft yep, and gentle. Yep, oh, yep, okay. that too. So mild does a similar kind of thing. You know, yeah. it's not abrasive. Mm. It doesn't hurt you. Mm-hmm. It's uh, gentle. But it does not strike me as positively as gentle. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised at how many times we do something like this, and the first thing that comes to mind for me is food. Yes, here you go. And with mild, the two things that come to mind are either salsa, uh-huh. you know, or when you go to a, a really good Indian restaurant, and they ask you how spicy you mm-hmm. want it. I think of salsa, because I always get mild salsa. Mm-hmm. I can't handle really super mm-hmm. spicy stuff. But I also think back in the day when I was a kid, the old Superman TV series, mild-mannered reporter Clark oh, Kent gosh, for the yes. Daily Planet. <laughs> yeah, with his glasses and yeah, his tie and, and slick back hair. Mm-hmm. And the contrast between mild-mannered Clark Kent and Superman. Superman. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so we said we were going to look at this definition of gentleness, and the first component of it was mildness. Mm-hmm. Mildness, indulgence toward the weak and erring, patient suffering, and so on. For this, I want us to think about it as Jesus' example. Okay. Because I think that, in a sense, this is what we're getting at in that Matthew 11 text mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, where Jesus self describes. Elise, do you have Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30? Sure, sure. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, there the word gentle can be understood as mild. I don't um, like it. It <laughs> <laughs> just sounds weird, doesn't it? I am mild and humble in heart. Yeah. Mildness speaks of meekness and a general calmness of spirit. Okay, that's good. Jesus is talking about how he deals with us. Come to me, because you've got all these problems and all this stuff. Come to me, and I will deal with you in a general calmness of spirit in the midst of the helter-skelter world you're living in. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's actually the exactly what I started to picture as you were describing that, is sometimes the most inspiring people to us or the most helpful are the ones that in the middle of a something devastating, yeah, controversy, something where our world has just been ripped up and we don't know where to find confidence, is someone who can 
be mild, can mm-hmm. be calm in the midst of a storm. Yeah. I have a friend who I remember watching her during a board meeting, many board meetings of a nonprofit where I served too. And we would have very heated, you know, excited mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes differing discussions. And she would use her voice and just enter a kind of a summary statement and everybody focused on it. It was very, mm-hmm. I had to not. bring it down. Yeah. And very influential. Mm-hmm. Very influential. Okay. I think we can see this kind of gentleness in Jesus as he brings calm mm-hmm. into the whirlwinds of life. And your mind went to a friend in a board meeting. My mind goes to the baseball movie Field of Dreams, mm-hmm. where the main character, Ray Kinsella, and his wife are talking about their favorite author from the 1960s, which was a turbulent time. And they said of that author, he was a warm and gentle voice of reason in a time of great madness. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. I love that statement. Yeah. I think that's one of the best lines ever written. Say it again. He was a warm and gentle voice of reason in a time of great madness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that speaks very clearly to our times because our times are very much reflective of the 60s where there is a lot of turbulence mm-hmm. and it is a time of madness in many mm-hmm. ways. Who's going to be the warm and gentle voice of reason in the midst of that? That's kind of this general calmness of spirit Mm -hmm. that brings a soothing lubrication almost into the friction moments of life. Yeah. And that's kind of what a good counselor does too, Mm -hmm. right? On an individual basis. Yeah. Not just a good counselor, but often the leaders that we go to in seasons of uncertainty, same thing. In fact, what's often off-putting in a good way is when you walk into an argument or a disagreement or something and the person says something like, oh, well, tell me what you really think. Mm-hmm. Instead of sharing what they think right yeah. away, they stop mm-hmm. for a moment to listen first and to open that door. And it's amazing how that just, it changes the way the whole conversation goes. And it comes, it has to come from a calmness of spirit within them, even if maybe they also feel a little nervous about the conversation or something. Mm -hmm. Um, It diffuses things. It diffuses it. I wish I could do that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, really, when you think, you hear something like that, well, it makes so much sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's so hard Mm -hmm. under pressure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the key is under pressure. Under pressure, we tend to want to defend and protect and yeah. usually defend and protect us and ours. Yeah. And in the case of what you're saying, Daniel, our ideas. Yeah, and that almost goes back to what we talked about in our last conversation about the connection between gentleness and humility. Mm-hmm. Because oftentimes the reason people are able to diffuse in those moments is because they almost approach the conversation with, you know what, I may be wrong in this situation, yeah. so let me hear this person first. Yeah. Which is humility. Which yes. is humility. Mm-hmm. And yeah. when you can honestly say that and think it, mm-hmm. then it works. I yeah. think one of the most refreshing things I've ever seen was in a book that came out probably 15 years ago. And it was a very controversial book on a method for interpreting the Bible. He went through chapter after chapter of this really intense uh, hermeneutic that he was presenting. But the last chapter of the book is, what if I'm wrong? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I just thought, that is wonderful. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so fresh yeah. to let the reader know, listen, I'm not telling you it's my way or the highway. I'm telling you, this is what I do, but mm-hmm. it might not help you. Yeah. Now, when we think about Jesus being gentle slash mild, 
There's a specific moment in the New Testament where we see this, and it's in Matthew 21, verse 5. Daniel, could you read that for us? Sure. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. What's the event that's being described there? Jesus' triumphal entry is what it's often called. It's when he comes into Jerusalem and people are laying palm branches Mm -hmm. and coats on the ground. And this is actually quoting, Matthew is quoting Isaiah 62 and Zechariah 9 as he says this. But if we thought of, see your king comes to you gentle Mm -hmm. in a way that brings a general calmness of spirit, into what for them was a very difficult season with Roman occupation and mm-hmm. right. bloody conquest and all that kind of stuff. Would we call it the triumphal entry <laughs> if we think of him as gentle, mild in that moment? I don't know. That's interesting. Yeah, because it's not really what they wanted or what they expected. You're right. And yet there are elements of horses, colts, donkeys, whatever, being plundered from mm. other peoples, and if he comes in on that, there is a kind of victory in this mm. kind of a moment. And keep in mind that when Rome conquered, their generals rode into town on horses. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so Pilate, mm-hmm. when he came to take over running Judea, as it was known, would have come in on horseback. And now Jesus comes in a very different image on a donkey. With yeah. humility. Yeah. Yeah. There's one more thing I'd like for us to look at, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1, because here I think we see some of this come together Hmm. as we see the example of Jesus being described by Paul. Elisa, would you read 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1? By humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you in a way. It really reinforces the idea, doesn't it? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, they were accusing Paul. Paul's whole letter of 2 Corinthians is about defending his position as an apostle. And in order to defend it, he goes to the gentleness and humility of Jesus, Mm -hmm. not the authority of Jesus, the gentleness and humility. And I think about that in my years as a pastor, and I ask how many times did my role in the church get manifested through gentleness and humility Mm -hmm. and how much it was exercising authority. Mm -hmm. They accused Paul of being timid when he was with them, but very bold when he wrote letters Mm -hmm. to them. So what's that about? Does he get licensed when he's writing? (laughs) Yeah, it almost feels like the people that when they're in front of you, they Mm -hmm. say one thing and then they text Mm -hmm. you something super mean when they're not with you. (laughs) Yeah, passive aggressive kind of thing, yeah. And I think what he's saying is, listen, This is who I am and what I'm doing. I'm trying to do in the spirit of Christ, Mm. whether it's saying good things, pleasant things, or whether it's saying hard things and difficult things. I'm trying to do it in the spirit of Christ by the humility and gentleness, the general calmness of spirit Mm -hmm. of Jesus. Mm. So whether he's timid or bold, it's that humility and gentleness of Christ. That's what he's trying to convey. And maybe best case is he would be implying too that when you read my letters, Mm. know my spirit, the spirit that Mm. I've had when I've been with you. Yes, however you experience me, remember this. Mm -hmm. One writer put it this way, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Meekness or mildness is the right use of authority and power. Mm. And now I suddenly picture Jesus getting up, wrapping a towel about his waist and bending down. 
gentleness may not be a popular virtue today, especially in leadership settings, but clearly Jesus and the Bible as a whole emphasize the need for gentleness. It's not the weak kind of gentleness that we may have the impression it is, but as Bill said, there is an important part of the right use of authority and power. Well, we're going to take a short break, and then when Mart and Bill and Elisa and Daniel pick this up, they're going to look at the next part of Adam Clark's definition of gentleness and find scriptural support for why gentleness is having indulgence toward the weak and erring. Now, if you're like me, you need them to explain what that means and help us understand why Bill feels that this is, in his words, so spot on. So back with that part of the conversation in 60 seconds. As we study the lost art of gentleness on this Discover the Word podcast, I want to encourage you to go online to our website and listen to a series that we did here on Discover the Word several years ago called The Orchard because of the way it pairs with these conversations that we're having now. Now, The Orchard is a 15-conversation series about the section of Galatians 5 that talks about the fruit of the Spirit, of which, of course, gentleness is one. And our hope is that you'll begin to take advantage of the archive feature on our website. There's a lot of Bible study material there for you to listen to. So listen to that series called The Orchard, and discover how a relationship with the Orchard Keeper helps us to grow to be more like Christ every day. To start listening, just go to discovertheword.org and click on the Archive tab up at the top of the page. And then type The Orchard into the search bar, and that'll take you to that series. The Archive feature of our website is one I hope you'll come to use often. And now, back to our look at this lost art of gentleness and the next part of Adam Clark's definition. Are you a loner or are you a people person and why? I'll answer the question first. I'm a loner. Mm -hmm. I'm perfectly content sitting out on my deck with a book in my lap and a cup of coffee on the table beside me. Mm -hmm. And I can be content like that all day. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I can love that until about one (laughs) (laughs) o'clock. Do dogs count? I I need my dog at my my feet. And then Uh, I'm I'm a loner too. I enjoy people very much, very much. But I really do refuel alone. I think I'm mostly a people person. That's what Mm -hmm. I would have I really enjoy Mm -hmm. time alone as well. Mm -hmm. But like Mart said, it can only last so long. In fact, it'll surprise me because sometimes like Rebecca and I'll schedule time for me to have like a day away to just kind of spiritual retreat or something. And it's always about half the days what I feel like I need. And <laughs> then I'm like, like I'm, I'm done. Right, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For me, part of it is because I grew up in a family of seven kids. So I was never That's alone. That's interesting, yeah. And then spending 20 years as a pastor where you're just inundated with people all the time. Mm-hmm. And you almost feel like you can't escape mm-hmm. people. And if any of my former church folks are listening right now, that doesn't mean I didn't like being with you. <laughs> it means that every now and then I just needed to unplug Slip and get away. Slip that in, Bill. Okay. Yeah, I have to because uh-huh. I know some of them listen to the program. <laughs> whether you're a loner or whether you're a people person, we all end up having to manage different kinds of relationships. And some of them are bumpier than others. Mm-hmm. I think that's clear. Well, it's interesting that as we're looking this week together, at Adam Clark's definition of gentleness, 
in our conversation the last time, we saw that the first part of his definition was mildness. Today, it's indulgence toward the weak and erring. The word indulgence throws me. It doesn't go with the weak and erring. It goes with like a kind of a patience towards the, I don't know, those who aren't deserving maybe. Yeah, and I think you're focusing on the erring part instead Mm. of the weak part. Mm -hmm. Being patient with someone who's weak, Mm -hmm. I think shows a great degree of gentleness, right? But I think what Mart's pushing at is the word indulgence, which feels weird there because Mm -hmm. we think of being indulgent, we think of like eating a lot of chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) Or too much of anything. (laughs) Well, remember Adam Clark wrote this in the early 1800s, so Mm -hmm. words have shifted and transmorphed and all kinds of stuff. But when I hear him using the word indulgence back then, it's kind of a yielding, being okay with. It's kind of a patience. Yeah. Mm. And maybe even a generosity. Yeah. Toward, Mm. not to indulge me, but to indulge them. To give in to. Yeah. And I think there's a text that really describes God doing this, even though the word gentle doesn't appear in it. Second Peter 3, verse 9. Daniel, would you give that to us? Sure. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Mm-hmm. Now, do you see that patience that Elisa was mm-hmm. landing on? Hmm. I think this is God being gentle mm-hmm. toward us not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. So he sees us in our weakness. He sees us in our erring. And as he does, he moves towards us with gentleness. For us, how do we manifest that? That's Mm -hmm. the challenge. I mean, if God can do this, that's great. But how are we supposed to do that? Because if the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness, Mm -hmm. what might that look like toward the weak? and the Mm. airing, Mm -hmm. see? Mm -hmm. So let's get the Apostle Paul's word on this. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 7. Elisa, would you read that for us? Sure, I love this verse. But we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children. Now again, we saw in our last conversation that one aspect of gentleness is that gentleness is the right use of authority and power. With the authority of an apostle, he could have come in thundering. He chooses instead to come in gently. Yeah. I see in both of these, the Second Peter verse and First Thessalonians 2, the motive that is kind of behind the gentleness. Mm-hmm. Good. Right? So with the mother tenderly caring mm-hmm. for her children, wanting what's best for them, and the Second Peter not wanting any to perish, but to come to repentance, to realize that the road that they're on is not good, and Mm -hmm. to come back toward what is good. So even the slowness, the patience, the gentleness that we're talking about, there's this motive behind it, which looks like it's for the care, for the flourishing, for Mm -hmm. what's best for Mm -hmm. the person we're Mm -hmm. being patient or gentle with. Mm -hmm. I think just that idea that you're describing, Daniel, could so transform our relationships Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if we would approach them with the heart of God, Mm -hmm. of gentleness, toward Mm -hmm. the weak and erring. I mean, our immediate tendency is to try to fix where maybe the first thing we need to do is to understand Mm -hmm. and to show genuine care and concern, Mm -hmm. which I think is a part of that nursing mother tenderly caring Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. for her own children. It doesn't mean correction isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. Sure. It just means that it comes from a different place. Yeah, I can see where the mother's love overrides other impulses that she yeah. might have. But I think in a lot of life, our problems, we're just, we get scared. I get spooked. We want control. We want to do mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. quickly and maybe take control in a way that in the end doesn't help. Mm-hmm. But it's born out of our fear because mm-hmm. our anger a lot of times is born mm-hmm. out of our fear. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Or out of our frustration as well yes. of wanting something to go a certain way and it doesn't. We're afraid it's going to go sideways yeah. big time. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah, either afraid of it or we want so badly to control it because we want something out yeah. of it yeah. that we're trying to direct yeah. it. Right. I don't want to derail us, but I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about gentleness from a feminine perspective. And I can see how it's like popping for y'all around the table. And I'm kind of going, I go to first Peter three, you know, that women are to have a gentle and quiet spirit. And there are times when it feels very, go sit in the corner. So can we speak to that? How have we misabused this, this relational quality that you're talking about, Bill, of gentleness? Is there a way our genders affect both our interpretation and our expression? Because the central point I think you're making is that gentleness is this spirit Mm -hmm. of patience that we can connect with others to. And I guess the way I would respond, and I'd welcome you guys to jump in too, Martin, Daniel, is I don't think gender has to affect it or should affect it because it's a characteristic that the spirit produces. I don't think it's gender specific. I do think it's really interesting that Paul uses a feminine example to describe himself. Mm -hmm. That I think that as a woman, because it has been abused, it's difficult for you to even acknowledge, you know, its value, its virtue. Because your point, yeah, I thought you answered it in your question. <laughs> yeah. Really. You, okay. you said we've been so taken for granted, mm-hmm. so expected to take that kind of a role mm-hmm. that it's hard mm-hmm. for me to see that the virtue, you know, that mm-hmm. gentleness is a virtue. Yeah. I've, uh, I've had to really glom on to the strength element in the definition that you've mm-hmm. helped us see in order to embrace the gentleness mm-hmm. that I think God is really calling me towards because it's been mm-hmm. polluted a bit. In my okay, you're saying society. men demand that women be gentle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm nodding, yes. And they do it in a very <laughs> yes. ungentle way. Yeah. <laughs> there are also, though, women that I know personally that struggle to be gentle. Maybe mm-hmm. they struggle with anger for different reasons, maybe of the way they've grown up or mm-hmm. uh, influence they've had or whatever. So I do think there is a beautiful invitation in here as well. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the part I think, Bill, you were driving at with it. It's not this gender be gentle and this gender not. Mm -hmm. If we get it right. Right. It's our gentleness is an outpouring of God's spirit shaping us to become more like Jesus. So that it's strong at times, but it's still gentle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But to get that right, we often have to overcome our life experience. Yeah. 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 And that's where we need the spirit's help in and of ourselves. Right. We're not very good at being gentle as we see in our day, in our time. Right. Now, the picture of a nursing mother tenderly caring for her infant child certainly seems to picture indulgence toward the weak mm-hmm. or gentleness toward the weak. The erring part is in a verse that we touched on briefly in an earlier conversation, Galatians 6, verse 1. I've got it. Okay. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. 
See, there's the balance. It's not just to the weak, but it's also to the erring. And again, our tendency is not to respond to someone else's failure with gentleness. Our tendency is to respond to it with judgment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ah. I think gentleness opens the door for healing much Mm -hmm. better than condemnation does. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It requires listening, too, doesn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. That's one of the sides yeah. of gentleness. And with the assumption, listening with the assumption that maybe we haven't seen the whole picture yet, right? Mm-hmm. too. That's and humility. Even if what the person did is truly wrong, mm-hmm. yeah. maybe something happened as a result mm-hmm. of that that I don't know. Yeah. And as a result of approaching it with gentleness, with humility, it just causes me to approach it differently. Mm-hmm. And I think Paul's wisdom here is not only that that you're describing daniel but also the reality of our own vulnerability our mm-hmm. own tendency to to fall and fail because he says lest you yourself be tempted mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a warning there yeah. to us if we come at it with condemnation when we fail mm-hmm. that's what people are going to tend to give us mm-hmm. when we're going to desperately crave someone to come to us with a gentle spirit in our moment of erring in our moment of failure. So as we think about this aspect of gentleness, does it make more sense now than at the beginning when we talked about indulgence toward the yeah. weak and erring? Yes. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Patience, concern, care, gentleness, mm-hmm. whether it's to the small infant or to the broken human, gentleness is a good place to start. An important part of our conversation that's helping us to rethink our ideas about gentleness and helping us see that it is something that our world needs more of. Because as we've said, in our world today, it seems to be somewhat of a lost art. You don't get results, you don't make a difference by being gentle, is what we've come to believe. But it would be tough to argue that someone like Fred Rogers didn't make a difference. Someone who knew him well described Mr. Rogers as a gentle man with a backbone of steel. I think uh, we all believe that our world is a better place because of the gentle Fred Rogers. So let's continue this conversation with the Discover the Word group as they reflect on another piece of that definition of gentleness by Adam Clark and see how it lines up with what scripture says about the lost art of gentleness. Okay, I'm going to ask a question that can take us off the rails real quickly, but I think it's a question worth talking about. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) What makes social media so challenging? We're corrupt, horrible people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, what about for the rest of us? What makes it so difficult? You know what? I avoid it for the most part. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid of it. That's honest. I don't avoid it. I love staying in touch with people on it. But, you know, as much good as it can accomplish because it informs sure. me about what's going on and I find mm-hmm. out, see pictures of people I love and et cetera, yeah. I'll find little hideousnesses mm-hmm. rising up in me like, you know, well, she's got more likes than I do. Nobody liked this one in me. And I start comparing or, mm-hmm. you know, I feel less about myself or I'll judge somebody. And I don't even know I've gone down that road. Yeah. I would extend this out, not just to social media, but also different search platforms and stuff too. Mm. But the way the algorithms are built. That's frustrating. They only show you what they think you're interested in seeing. So instead of helping you expand an idea or see something maybe differently, it just reinforces what you already think is true. Mm. And as a result, it can lead to even more divisiveness and brokenness. I think we see that. 
every mm-hmm. day. Yeah. And then people also, I think, because it's almost like you're able to hide a little bit on social and you're not talking to someone in person, people say really ugly things to mm-hmm. one another. We don't have good rules yeah. of etiquette. Some of it is the immediacy of it. Mm-hmm. You type something out, you hit send and off yeah. it goes. Some of it is that, frankly, with social media, many people are given a platform that they have not had to earn. Mm-hmm. And so they can speak authoritatively on something in which they have no authority, mm-hmm. but they can act like an authority. And people who don't know them either way can maybe assume that they have a measure of authority and now they're misinformed mm-hmm. on the issue mm-hmm. and it has a spill over that yeah. way. I think also there's a self-centeredness that is at the core of social media because it makes it about me mm-hmm. and about what I have to share and about what picture I want you to see. And we are just, as humans, we are not at our best when we're getting onto something to talk about ourselves mm. or to share what we think first without listening to others first or whatever. Because you create an account, you create your own profile, you put your picture on there. So there's like a, a self-centeredness at the mm. core of it that doesn't set us up for success either. Yeah. And it's not just the picture we want them to see, it's the image we're Mm -hmm. trying to present, right? So this, oddly enough, feeds us into the next part of Adam Clark's definition on gentleness. Can I just real quick ask, who's Adam Clark? I mean, we talked about he's in the early 1800s, but who is he? He was a Bible teacher, scholar, writer. Adam Clark's commentary on the Bible is just huge. I mean, it's so big that they had to produce a condensed version of it because the commentary itself is so voluminous. Okay, and let me add a social media kind of response. (laughs) So who makes him so smart? (laughs) I think, as I said in our very first conversation, the fact that his stuff was written in the early 1800s and it stood the test of time. Mm -hmm. Truth has a ring of truth to it. Okay. Okay. And much of the things that he had to say still have that ring of truth to it 200 years later. Okay. Thank you, Bill. And I think you said in the first conversation too, let's test it against yeah. mm-hmm. the storyline of scripture. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, And against our own experience and whether we think it makes sense in the realm of life. In my Instagram page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you can put this on your Instagram page. <laughs> mm-hmm. The next part of his definition, we've talked about mildness. We've talked about indulgence toward the weak and erring. The third part of the definition is Patient suffering of injuries without feelings of revenge. Ooh. Now, how does that fit in social media mm. world? Mm-hmm. Seems like there's a lot of revenge oh, taking sure. place on oh, there. Yeah. yeah, it's a chance to say not only about people that you know what you really think, but even about people you don't know mm-hmm. that well. You can attack anybody. Right. And if we're trying to evaluate him too by the measure of the Spirit of Christ... It's just like that was not what Christ was all mm-hmm. about, to in, return insult for insult. No. You know where I really see that is in certain review platforms. Oh, man. Where you can review a restaurant or review a book or whatever. And just the way people will be so mean mm. in their review of a place that maybe they made mistakes, right? Like there really was a hair in the food or something like that. But the way they approach yeah. the mm-hmm. review is mm-hmm. just it's very personal. hatred and vitriol yeah. and personal. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Recently, Marlene and I were looking into moving companies to relocate us to North Carolina. 
And as I was reading reviews of some of these moving companies, I mean, it's like when it starts off with, I didn't want to give it any stars, but I had to give it one in order to be able to leave this comment. And then the comment is just mm-hmm. so uh, nasty. That's the revenge. Yeah. So it all becomes very personalized. But this definition of patient suffering of injuries, it doesn't discount the fact that we're injured. No. Mm-hmm. It, there's a reality of an injury, mm-hmm. but a patient suffering in it without feelings of revenge. That's like impossible to do without Jesus. I mean, he is mm-hmm. the example. Yeah of the only one who really has done that. He's patiently suffered the injuries we put on him without feelings of revenge. That's tough to do. That's really tough to do apart from the Holy Spirit. And we don't just see him modeling that. We hear him verbalizing it on the Mm -hmm. cross when he says what? Father, forgive them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing. Mm -mm. Yeah. Mm -mm. There's a patience there with human frailty. Mm -hmm. Now, that human frailty has expressed itself in the ultimate example of evil in what humankind was doing to Jesus at that moment through crucifixion. And yet, Jesus responds in a way that sets for us an unbelievable example of patience. Mm-hmm. The old gospel song, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set mm-hmm. him free. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he died alone for you and me. I yeah. mean, that is just mind boggling mm-hmm. that we could do this to our God and he would respond in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Bill, you mentioned that we're going to keep comparing this to the scriptures. Yeah. Is there a particular text that helps us think through this? part of the definition. Well, I think that you go to the Beatitudes, and in Matthew 5, verse 5, Jesus says, blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. That word is meek, often translated, right? Yeah, Yeah, meek, gentle. It's the same Greek word. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, again, that is so counterintuitive especially for Jesus to say that to a conquered people who were seeking <laughs> mm-hmm. revenge yeah. right, on their conquerors. And Jesus, as Messiah, presents himself not as the one who's going to drive out the Romans. The old poem, they all were looking for a king to lift them up and set them high. Thou camest a little baby thing that made a young girl cry. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. uh, It's so opposite of what they were expecting because yeah. they wanted revenge on Rome. Mm-hmm. But Jesus said, blessed are the gentle. Yeah. And his audience there, if you look right before chapter 5 in Matthew, it talks about who the crowds are made up of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's people that are sick, afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, paralytics, and he cured them all. Talk about humility. They know their place right now yeah. in the world. And it's not a place of power or strength. So for him to speak to them and say, blessed are the gentle, they will inherit the earth, that gave them hope yeah, that they good. wouldn't have heard otherwise. That's really good. Yeah. And I wonder how many times if we could learn to speak with gentleness, mm. how many times that would give hope to people who otherwise might not have it. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good point, Daniel. This promise, they shall inherit the earth, How do you see that play into this? Well, the word inherit brings with it a lot of Bible. In the New Testament, we see the word inheritance expanded from what Israel would have thought was land in the Old Testament to in the New Testament, the people of God, the people following God. Mm -hmm. So 
just at the beginning, that inheritance piece, we become, as followers of Jesus, the inheritance. Mm -hmm. We become the family. You know, we Mm -hmm. become the sons and the daughters. Uh, We become adopted in, is another language often used, into the family. You know, we belong. Well, we also have the rich young ruler saying, what must I do to inherit eternal life. Yeah, and that's what kind of throws off here. It says not they will be a part of the inheritance, but they will inherit the earth. Mm -hmm. So what does that piece look like? Yeah, that comes down to your prophetic theological purview. Some see that as the new heavens and the new earth. Mm -hmm. That's what will be inherited, that eternal place that I think Jesus refers to in John 14 as my father's house. That place where we will live forever with him. Mm -hmm. Now, some of a different theological background would say, it's not this earth. It's a whole different one Mm -hmm. because the elements will melt with fervent heat and God will make a new heaven Mm -hmm. completely different, a new earth completely different. So it's something we can't even imagine because there's going to be so catastrophically different, Mm -hmm. but in the best possible way than what we can imagine on this earth Mm -hmm. right now. And this is what awaits, not the conqueror, not the warrior who destroys and kills. This is what awaits the gentle. They're the ones who are going to inherit that new home. Yeah, God's values are so countercultural. And as we're discovering, gentleness, not harshness, is the real winning strategy in the kingdom of God. Another familiar passage that's key part of this study of the lost art of gentleness, the Beatitudes in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount speaks into how we understand the importance of gentleness. Because we've been saying that gentleness has become somewhat of a lost art for hundreds of years due mainly to the Christian influence on society and morality. Uh, Men and women alike were encouraged to be gentle as reflected in the use of the terms gentleman and gentlewoman. And yet today, if you search for anything about gentleness in books or articles being written, you're not going to find much. A search using Google's Ngram reveals that the use of the word gentle is at a 300-year low. It appears that our society thinks we no longer have a use for gentleness. But it's been surprising this week to discover just how much the Bible has to say about the need for gentleness. And I think our conversations have revealed that it's possible that our de-emphasis on the Christian virtue of gentleness may be a reason why it seems that our culture has in many ways lost its moral way. Some challenging things to think about, for sure. And I think we'll feel the weight Scripture gives to gentleness even more as Bill takes us through the last conversation that comes up after this preview of our next Discover the Word podcast. Lisa Morgan leads off the next Discover the Word podcast by asking Bill Crowder, Daniel Ryan Day, and Rasul Berry this question. How would you answer this question about yourself? Who am I? And she got from them the predictable son, husband, dad, friend responses. But also this from Bill. I think for me, Lisa, it would depend on what the context was. I mean, if I was in a particular context, I might say I'm a Liverpool fan. <laughs> in another context, I might say I'm a Beatles fan. Yep. Yep. In another context, I might say 
husband, father, mm -hmm. granddad, you know, all that kind of yeah. stuff. So sometimes it might depend on the context. I think that's really good. Mm -hmm. Except on Discover the Word, where Bill brings <laughs> up all those things all the time. <laughs> yeah, you get the more holistic meeting. <laughs> Rasul went a little more introspective, therapeutic in his response. I think the answer is I'm complicated. <laughs> and I struggle between complicated and complex, which then led me to the next best one, which is I'm indecisive. <laughs> yeah, and so where does Elisa want the group to go with this? I want to take another stab at this topic of identity in Christ and focus on this one sentence as we think about who we are. And it's this, I am who I am because God is who he is. I think you're going to find it a helpful track to go down. Who am I? Be part of the group on the next Discover the Word podcast. And now let's listen to the conclusion of this study of the lost art of gentleness. In this set of conversations, we've been exploring a 200-year-old definition of gentleness and just seeing whether against the scriptures and against life itself, if that 200-year-old definition still holds up. And whether it could make a difference in social media today, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think if this definition were practiced, it would absolutely make a difference in social media today. But the definition from Adam Clark, a Bible teacher from the 1800s, was that gentleness, the Greek word praos or praates, mildness, indulgence toward the weak and erring, patient suffering of injuries without feelings of revenge, and the last part that we'll look at in this conversation, an even balance of all tempers and passions. <laughs> One of the things that's made this definition stand up so far is that we've so clearly seen these things in Jesus, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mildness. He comes into Jerusalem on the colt of a donkey. With humility. With humility. Yeah, we've used different words, haven't we? Yeah. Synonyms that kind of yeah. broaden and, yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And controlled authority. Yeah, that's a good one. And then we saw indulgence toward the weak and erring pictured specifically in God being patient toward us, mm -hmm. long-suffering toward us, not, not wanting, wanting any anybody to perish. To perish. Right. I love that, yeah. And in the last conversation, patient suffering of injuries without feelings of revenge. Mm. Wow. Yep. Where could you find a better model of that than Jesus on the cross? And when we look at Jesus, we realize how so other he was than us yeah. sometimes. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. for us, even in times we think we're not being revengeful, deep down we often are a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. The last part of the definition is what we want to explore today, an even balance of all tempers and passions. Now, that's 200-year-old phrasing, so how does it hit you? Impossible. <laughs> so it hits me. I mean, obviously, the only way we can be that balanced is through mm -hmm. the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what kind of balance is that? Is that like there's a time for everything? Or is it a neutralizing balance or what? How are I think you, it's a balance that's an expression of wisdom from above. Mm -hmm. And for that, Mark, would you read for us James 3, verse 17? Yeah. But the wisdom that comes from above is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. Shows no favoritism, always sincere. 
and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. <laughs> well, that kind of sounds like everything we've been talking about yeah. through all these conversations, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. When I hear that phrase, an even balance of all tempers and passions, it seems to me a life lived in wisdom, yeah. mm-hmm. and especially the wisdom that's from above that James is describing here. There's like a level of understanding of the different tempers and passions within a person and how to use them well, mm. right? Because we often think of like anger, for example, as typically a negative thing, but we saw Jesus show good examples of what it looks like to be angry in the right ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so what I kind of sense from this even balance is realizing that there are these passions, these tempers within us, not temper in the temper tantrum way, tempers as in emotions. Mm-hmm. And this person who is gentle has this even balance. They know what those are. They know how to use them mm-hmm. well and not to let them control them. It's a spirit of good intent mm-hmm. as well. It has to be rooted, it has to be grounded in some kind of a of an attitude of a view toward others that is not just for our own good, but for one another as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is making me think a whole lot about the fruit of the Spirit, you know, that those nine qualities that Paul talks about in Galatians are, are really attached to each other. It's tough to just pick out one and like mm-hmm. gentleness because in this element of the definition and even balance of all tempers and passions, I hear self-control. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that's essential to tempers and passions. Self-control is essential. And maybe that's how we become Mm -hmm. gentle with those. Do you see that as capturing it? Because that makes sense. Yeah, I do see an interconnectedness. And what interconnects them is that they can't be done well apart from the Spirit working in and through us. And again, what the Spirit is trying to produce in us is the spirit and heart and attitude that we see in Jesus. So we see all of these qualities of the fruit of the spirit that you're talking about, Elisa. Mm. We see all of those perfectly manifested in the person of Jesus. And we talk about God's purpose for us, Romans 8, 29, is to be conformed to the image of his son. Mm. That's what it looks like. What it looks like is not necessarily being a brilliant teacher, though he was, but is being a person who manifests this kind of heart attitude toward life and toward others Mm -hmm. that he did. Mm -hmm. And that comes from the spirit working in us. I think it's really interesting too. This is an aspect of gentleness that is very observable. Hmm. I mean, when we see people whose lives are out of control, sometimes we say, man, they're just really out of balance, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, we can see the consequences of that being out of control, the lack of Mm self-control, the lack of this aspect Mm -hmm. of gentleness. We can see that. And so the contrast to that is what would be better for them to see. And Mm -hmm. Philippians 4 verse 5 says, let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. We talked about that a little bit in our first conversation. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Let it be an observable thing. Mm -hmm. Not just something that we talk about, but something that we really practice by the help of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. That reminds me, so in the James passage, it was mentioning peace and gentleness together. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions that comes to mind when you're reading Philippians 4 is, what does it look like or how do we let our gentleness be known to everyone? And immediately I think of those people that I would describe as they have a peaceful presence Mm -hmm. about them. There's a peacefulness Mm -hmm. with them. And that is a form of gentleness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think we talked about that 
same kind of thing in an earlier conversation, the person who brings this kind of calm Mm-hmm. into the turbulence of our world today and not just of the world. I mean, it's easy to talk about the world like it's that thing out there. Mm-hmm. It's in me. It's in our world, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, my private right. world inside mm-hmm. of me. We're talking about a spiritual quality that's produced as we lean into the Holy Spirit and allow him to make us look more like Jesus yeah. to the people who are watching. Maybe one way to understand this balance, and I like that, is uh, this yielding that we've been talking about all along with gentleness, yielding to the rights of others in humility, yielding to our expression, to the greater good. And actually, you were asking what kind of balance, and I started picturing a scale, you know, mm-hmm. and there may be unequal weights on each side, mm-hmm. but there is a yielding to the, the desire for balance, mm-hmm. which Daniel, you've given this illustration a couple of times that you come into an altercation or a conflict willing to listen, mm-hmm. yielding to another's voice, even if at the outset their voice seems unimportant or wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this balance is for the best good in what the result might be. Mm-hmm. I think that's right, Elisa. And I think another place where it ends up is in our behavior. Yeah. And our attitudes. Daniel, would you read First Timothy 3, verse 3 to us, please? Mm-hmm. So it kind of picks up in the middle of a verse, but it says, Not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. Now, in that statement, Paul's talking about not given to things excessively. Mm-hmm. There's one thing to recognize we have a need for a certain amount of money to feed our families to pay the bills, to take care of the necessities of life. There's another thing to be greedy. Mm -hmm. That's out of balance. There's one thing to have strong convictions. It's another thing to be quarrelsome. That takes Mm -hmm. it out of balance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is helpful sometimes when we're trying to think of what gentleness is and looks like to think about, okay, well, what's the opposite? When Mm -hmm. I know someone's not being gentle, Mm -hmm. and these are very clear examples of that, I would also add like harshness when someone comes in and and there's just a harshness about Mm -hmm. them. But yeah, that's very helpful to see the opposite side of gentleness. Well, think about having your wheels misaligned on your car, and when you put on the brakes, you're skidding to the right or the left unintentionally, Mm -hmm. but there you go. Yeah, because your wheels are out of balance. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. thinking of is my tendency at times often to interrupt somebody else when they're talking. Yeah. It's not gentle. Yeah. Mm. It's not yeah. considerate. Mm. If you want to see what I think without using the word gentle is a really dis- good description of this kind of balance that we're talking about, Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Lisa, would you give us that? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind... Let each esteem others better than themselves. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. (laughs) That feels like Mm -hmm. that's all the stuff we've been talking about. It's almost like Paul was writing the Philippians saying, (laughs) let your gentleness be known to everyone. And it's in Philippians 4 verse 5, two chapters later, that he does say that. (laughs) But here he says, to Daniel's point, kind of what the opposite is. Here are some markers that are not gentleness. Selfish ambition, conceit, looking out for your own interests. Those are the kinds of things that take us out of balance, mm-hmm. that take us out of alignment yeah. with the heart and spirit of Christ. And then right after those verses, he goes in to describe what it looked like that Christ took on the humility right. of a servant mm-hmm. yeah. and put aside his interests for the sake of not only God's glory and what God's story was that was happening mm-hmm. in the world, but also for the good of the world mm-hmm. for us. So when Jesus said, 
Come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me, for I am gentle. He wasn't kidding around. <laughs> I mean, he is the perfect embodiment of all of these things that Adam Clark has been talking to us about in these conversations. Mm. He is the gentle Jesus in the very best sense of that term. And through his spirit, he invites us to be that representation of his gentleness to the world. Mm. Let this mind be in you, which was also Mm. in Christ Jesus, Mm. who was gentle. Great conversations this week on the lost art of gentleness on this Discover the Word podcast with Marta Hahn, Elisa Morgan, Bill Crowder, and Daniel Ryan Day. And I hope you're feeling the way we are, that the weight of Scripture comes down on the side of our being gentle. We see it in the example of Jesus, and it's kind of surprising to see just how often it turns up in key places in Scripture, the call to be gentle. It truly is a fruit of the Spirit, a signal that the Spirit of God is at work in our lives. Well, Discover the Word is a small group Bible study from Our Daily Bread Ministries in Grand Rapids, Michigan, in which we invite you to walk with us through topics and passages that inform the way we read the scriptures, challenge us as we live our lives as followers of Christ, and always point us to discover Jesus in the pages of the Bible. And thanks for remembering that Our Daily Bread Ministries, of which Discover the Word is a part, is a nonprofit organization, and it's the voluntary giving of friends like you that make this ministry possible. Your giving provides people all over the world with tools to begin and continue their discovery of God's Word. Our resources reach people in over 150 different countries. And you can partner with us by giving a donation of any amount when you go online to discovertheword.org, click the Donate tab, and you can give safely and securely right there. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Hedinga. Discover the Word is provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. 